just getting ready to start the book of Revelation. So this is the apocalyptic book of the New Testament. And so <clears throat> when we think about the revelation of Jesus Christ, we think about the apocalypse is another word. We can think about the uncovering, the disclosure. This is what it uh, uh, is all about. And uh, we, we know that <clears throat> it's here that uh, will show us all about uh, Christ. It's going to show us, this is the, I guess this is why the book of Revelation is so intriguing, is because it's dealing with something in the future. And we, we don't even know what's going to come in 15 minutes from now. We have no idea what, what may take place in our lives, or uh, we have no ability to, to do that. But God has, uh, in his om omniscience, has, has given us a book that gives us what is going to happen in the end of days. And, and the, the end of days of this earth, but not the end of days for uh, uh, all of us, and, and especially not the end of days for those who have placed their faith in Christ as their Savior. And so it is exciting. It's uh, a little bit terrifying, too, whenever you... you uh, She's good. We hear a cry. That's good. <laughs> all right. W, you scare us all. <laughs> all right. So, but we, uh, when we get into this, we're just, uh, it, it can be a little bit terrifying too whenever you start seeing the wrath of God. And that is what we're going to see on an unbelieving nation and unbelieving world and uh, see the very power of God revealed. But uh, what we have here in chapter 1, then, as we uh, get into this, I already gave you all the historical information a couple of weeks ago, so don't really need to um, uh, spend any much time on that, but just know that it's a vivid picture and understanding of uh, the tribulation, the second coming, the millennial kingdom, the new heavens, and the new earth, and we'll see all of that in this, and and God tells us in, in uh, verse 3 that it is wise that and uh, uh, gives us joy to be able to study this. And so that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to do my best to just explain this as we go. And we are going to uh, see what God has for us here in Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 1, we start with the introduction in the first eight verses or so. And, and uh, it's here in, in the first three verses that... We see some of that purpose is given to us. In uh, verse 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so now the, the revealing of, of Jesus Christ and bringing to light uh, who he is. Now, we, we understand much of who he has been as the Lamb of God. We have seen the description of him. We have seen his life in the Gospels that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and uh, we, we saw how he came as a sacrifice and came as a lamb of God and to uh, take away the sins of the world. And, and that's what we saw in, in the Gospels. And we saw how he lived, pointing the uh, people to him and bringing them to him, showing them that he is God and, and by the miracles that he did and, and uh, the way he lived. And then by dying on that cross and raising again on that third day and uh, preparing that path of salvation for all who will believe, all that will 
call on him can have that salvation. And so he came as the Lamb of God. But now we're going to see the revelation of Jesus. We are going to see him come this time, not as a lamb, but as a lion. He's going to come in judgment, and he's going to come down upon an unbelieving world and show them his very power and uh, show them truly what it's like to live uh, without God. And, and uh, the eternal curse of unbelief, the rejection of Jesus that uh, the unbelieving world will suffer uh, one day. But in verses 1 through 3, we see the purpose, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. And, and so God the Father, then Jesus is a subject. And uh, uh, here we see that uh, uh, which God gave unto him, the ultimate source of the revelation, and God gave the revelation to Jesus. And what is it that he gave him unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass? And so quickly they're going to come, and, and uh, there's a certainty that these things are going to happen. Now, if you give thought that whenever he wrote this, then... Uh, some 2,000 years later, here we are still waiting, then we know that it, it is a, tick, you might say, a ticking time bomb that these things could uh, start taking place at any moment. And what we ought to do is make sure that we are living ready. And so then it says, and he sent and signified, and he communicated this uh, by his angel unto his servant, John. And so we know that uh, John is the apostle, and we know that John now is, is very elderly in age, and this was written somewhere around 90 to 92 A.D. or so, and uh, we know that he had this vision while he was banished upon uh, the island of Patmos where other prisoners were banished, and it was there that he had this revelation, this uh, vision, and, and so <clears throat> we see that uh, here introducing us to John, who was the one pinning what it was that that uh, God wanted him to write. And then he makes that statement in verse 2, who bear record. And so he testified and he witnessed and he wrote those things down that that uh, God is telling him, who bear the record, bear record of the word of God. And so the, the biggest thing that we need to understand is that what we have in, in this revelation is straight from God. And he gives us what we, what we need to know. And that he might not give us everything that we want to know, but he gives us everything that we need to know. And so I think we need to be careful as we get into this that we can speculate upon a lot of things and, and we can give some thought to things. But uh, if God hasn't defined it and given us some other biblical proof, then <clears throat> be careful of what we uh, uh, consider uh, biblical and what is uh, speculation. But who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So there's threefold here that uh, he bore record of. And those things was the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and all the things that he saw. And uh, John wrote them down, his own eyewitness of the revelation. And then we see in verse 3, we see the first of seven beatitudes that are given uh, to us throughout the book of Revelation. And whenever we read Revelation, you would never think that God would use the word 
blessed, which also has the idea of happy. But here he is. He's telling us that, that we can be happy and as we read and study this because blessed or happy is he that readeth. And so it's so important that we read the Word of God. It's a, don't, uh, God doesn't want us to be afraid of, of what we read here. God doesn't want us to think that, well, there's just too much here, and I cannot understand it. And first of all, when you, when you do that, you do two things. You, you discredit yourself, and you discredit the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you know Christ is your Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit says that he will guide you and lead you in all truth. And so he will teach you what it is that you need to know. You're, you, you limit yourself so often by saying, well, I, I just don't know that I can ever understand this. You can understand exactly what God wants you to understand, and you need to trust him, and you need to stay in the word of God. There are going to be all kinds of things that you're going to read that you can't understand, and you don't understand, and and and. You know what? I still do that. I'm sure Pastor Camp still does that at times. You read a passage that you've read, I don't know, a hundred times or more, and, and all of a sudden it jumps out and you're like, what does he mean by that? You know, and, and, and you take, and, and what he tells us here is to read and keep on reading. Just keep reading the Word of God, and God will uh, allow some of that to start saturating into your mind and, and into your heart, and and you'll find that you will learn the things that God is wanting to teach you if you have that open heart and open mind allow the Holy Spirit to do that. And so blessed or happy is he that readeth. But not only that, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. That, that word here, uh, I, I, the, this morning when Pastor Camp was uh, teaching in Sunday school, he uh, talked about his dad. And he mentioned something about uh, his dad told him to do something one time, and, and he, he gave his dad the look like, who are you to be telling me that? And, and remember, then his dad said, you know, there's a two-by-four that might help uh, encourage you to listen to what I'm telling you, right? And so then, not only did he hear what his dad said, but then he took it upon himself to obey what his dad said and do it, right? Well, that's what this word here means. It means that you ever talk to your kid when, when ours were still home, of course, but we're all sitting there, and, and you tell your kid something, and there's no eye contact. There's no nodding of the head. There, there is absolutely, there, there has been no gesture that they heard a word that you said, right? And so you repeat yourself. And he said, I heard you the first time. Well, why didn't you do something about it? Anybody ever have that problem? I, I know probably my kids are the only ones that were ever like that, right? Yeah, some of you are still notorious for that, right? And so, well, here, God says, happy are you that read it, but then you hear with the intent of obeying what he tells you immediately. Just go do what he tells you. Well, our life would, how many times have we told our kids that? Life would be a lot simpler and a whole lot more pleasant if you would just do what you're told. And so we say that, and God is like, is this deja vu or what? 
Have I not been telling him the same thing? I mean, no wonder our kids do what they do, you know? We just did it to God, right? Well, here, you're going to be happy? Then you hear the words of, of this prophecy, what he's telling us here. And prophecy was, has the whole idea, or it's the act of stating or disclosing divine will. And so that is what this is, is prophecy, and, and it's God's divine will of what is going to take place and what he wants you to do. So blessed is the man that readeth. Blessed is the man that hears the words of the prophecy. Blessed is the man that keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And that word keep has, is, a, is a word that you see in the Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament. It, it means to guard to protect, to, to preserve, and hang on to it and guard it with your life. And so we need to understand how important it is that we guard the, the Word of God in our hearts and make sure that we are heeding to those things that He's saying and those things which are written therein. And why? Because the time is at hand. That appointed time is near, and oh, how we need to be ready. You know, that, and, and that's where we, we'll, we'll get into this, that there's a difference, and we're going to find this, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. And so the second coming of Christ is given all kinds of warnings throughout the tribulation. And he'll give them warnings that he is coming, and be prepared, and repent, and, and trust me, and, and, and call on Christ. And, but right now, the time is at hand that, the rapture could take place at any moment in time, and we need to be ready. We need to be prepared, and how, you, how are you prepared? Well, first of all, know Christ is your Savior. Look, I, I'm not here condemning anyone, but I'm telling you, if you're here tonight, and there has never been a time in your life when you have humbled your heart in the realization that you are a sinner, and the only way that you will ever be saved and the only way that you are ever going to have eternal life is by turning and looking to Jesus and asking Jesus, calling on Jesus to save you. If you'll do that with a humble heart and call on him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so believe in your heart and call on him to be your savior. I mean, the most important thing that you'll ever do in your life is know Christ as your Savior. And so I'm not here to condemn anybody, but if you've never done that, you need to settle it. Because tomorrow may be the rapture. Tonight may be the rapture. Might be the last time that you hear the gospel. Might be the only opportunity you have to turn and call on Christ. And so call on Him. Trust Him as your Savior. And so then, knowing that the time is at hand, we're ready, then live for Him. Be obedient to what he says. And, 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 and so the, the whole purpose here, getting us ready and understanding that uh, we're going to see who Jesus is. Well, now we go into verses 4 through 8, and we're going to see a description of the prince. The king of kings, the lord of lords. We're going to see the, the beautiful character of our Savior. And so John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, which... We started dealing with those this morning, right, and, and those local churches there in Asia. Grace be unto you. I, I love how so many of the writers, and, and God is the one directing them to 
write some of these, these things that they have written. And, and so often we see that one of the, the very first things in a salutation that they give is grace be unto you. Uh, how we need that today. This, this, I don't believe, is talking about saving grace, even though we do need saving grace. But uh, writing to believers, then they have already accepted the saving grace of Christ. But they also need that sustaining grace that helps us through every day. James 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Oh, how we need God's grace daily in, in guiding us and in helping us. And, and, and then also peace. Peace. The, the peace that we've made peace with God. Well, now we need the peace of God. And, and it's the peace that Paul writes in Philippians 4 where he says that it's a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a, it's a time where in your life where you, you go through some deep dark valley in your life and and while you're even there and dealing with the stresses and the emotions the grief the sorrow or or the stresses the anxiety the depression whatever it is that you can turn to him and you find a a, a peace and a grace that gets you through that and know that you can be settled in knowing the relationship that you have with your God and know that he has things under control and you trust him, and it, and it rids you of the chaos that the world is so full of. And so it's a peace that God gives us from him. And who is this as we give thought to uh, him? It says, which is, and which was, and which is to come. You know, I, I love this. Which is, the word is, also has the uh, same idea as I am. Remember when Moses was at the burning bush and first time we heard that is when Moses said, well, if I'm going to go and lead these people, then who am I going to tell them is, is bringing me here to do this? And he says, I am that I am. And so it's the great I am. And, and, it's, and, and here when you see this, he, he, is, he has always been, he always is, and he always will be. The eternality of our God has always been. Everything else has an origin, but not God. He's always eternal, always has been. And so it's he that, can you imagine? That, that's why the world cannot rob you if you don't allow it. You, it, it cannot rob you of the sustaining grace and the peace that an eternal all-powerful, all-knowing God can give you. How precious is that to know? And, and so how we ought to live with that. And, and so it comes from him, which is, which was, which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now we see the Trinity. Seven spirits representing the Holy Spirit of God. In his completion, in his perfection, we see the Holy Spirit being represented and so we have God the Father we have Jesus Christ the Son mentioned now we have the Holy Spirit mentioned and and so all of the Trinity is involved in the revelation of Jesus Christ and then he goes on and gives us more of a description of of who Jesus is and and from Jesus who is a faithful witness <clears throat> 
and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The faithful witness, the faithful, the one that when we think about someone that's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's, he's, he's uh, one that you can always count on. It is an accurate record of what's to take place. And so here, who is the faithful witness? He's the faithful witness of God. He's the, the accurate record of the Father himself. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can follow me if you want, and, and, uh, but 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20, it tells us, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So not only is he the faithful witness, but he's also the first begotten of the dead. Yes, now there were some that were raised from the dead before Jesus. Jesus raised them from the dead. The interesting thing about them is they all died again. That can be kind of rotten, wouldn't it? I mean, dying once is bad enough. Then you've got to turn around and die. I'm, I'm not afraid to die, but, but how, I, how I die I'm a little bit concerned about. You know, I thought maybe we might die in that ditch when we tip the semi over. You know, I, you know, I don't, I don't really care much about the process. I'm, I'm kind of bothered about the process, but I'm not afraid to die, and we shouldn't be. We should know that we're going to a home where finally we're going to see the perfection of our Savior. And but, but here we we uh, we see and we know that all of those that were that that God raised from the dead, they all died again. However, Jesus didn't. Jesus died on the cross and was buried in that tomb. When he rose again, he lives forever. And he's the first fruits. He's the example set for everyone who calls on him to be their Savior. He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the one that we can count on because he's the faithful witness. And now we see that he's the first begotten, the firstborn from the dead, no longer subject to death. And, and, and we're, we aren't subject to death either. I mean, yeah, this old body will die, but the soul lives on forever. Let us make sure that we're prepared for heaven by trusting Christ as our Savior. And, so, and, and then he goes on. So he's faithful witness. He's the first begotten of the dead, and he's a prince of the kings of the earth. He's a ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the king of kings. I love that, that so many are, are so arrogant in uh, who they are and, and uh, what they are and the positions that they are in, and they are absolutely nothing in God's eyes. He is the king of kings. Psalm 89, you want to turn there with me, but you, you don't have to. I'll just read it as soon as I get there. But Psalm 89 and verse 27, and he tells us here, he says, also, I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Uh, I was kind of a smart aleck one day. Um, I, I'm, I know, imagine that, Joyce. <laughs> I was in Drover's and sitting there eating, and, and I don't even remember who was with me. It's been a while back. But there, there was a guy in there that's from Morgan County, and, and I know, I, I know he's got... He has quite a bit of money. I, I understand all of that. And anyway, he was making his circles around. And, and he walked out and, and he left. And the guy that was sitting at the table next to me, out of nowhere, I, I just looked over at him and he said, 
that guy there, he's probably one of the richest guys in Morgan County. And I said, I don't know. I said, my father's pretty rich. I said, he's got cattle on a thousand hills. And then he just turned around and went back to eating. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that, but um, <clears throat> our Father, our Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You know, there, there's no one to compare to who Jesus is. You know, I, I read this and I studied this and was praying and, you know, Lord, I, I have all these notes and, and, and I wanted to study it more out and, and feel like sometimes that you just can't be complete and God just reminded me, you know what, just tell them about Jesus. Just tell them about what the verses say about who he is and that's enough. He's a faithful witness. He's a witness that you can always count on. He'll never back down from the truth. He'll always tell you the truth. He'll always be genuine. He's always going to lead you to the, to the promises that he gives you. He's always faithful as a faithful witness. He's, he's the first begotten of the dead. He has set the example. And, and what he has done, we will follow. And we can trust in that. And so there's nothing to be scared of. But there's all kinds of things to be blessed about and to be happy about. And, and we ought to be thankful for that. And, and not only that, but... He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and there is absolutely nothing that this world can do to, to, to diminish that or take that away in the promises that God gives us. Unto him, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Boy, that's been convicting all day. I'm telling you, some of you guys told me that that message this morning was kind of bothering you. I heard that from, from several today. Good. Good. It's been about three weeks of misery for me. And so we can commiserate together. <clears throat> and, but it's amazing that you can, you can sit and you can question your love for him but I can never question his love for me. He, he loves me. I know he loves me. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. I've accepted that. I've trusted in that. And I thank him for that. And I want to live for that. And, and I want to tell others about that. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I'm a smart aleck, Jim. You know, sometimes I don't do things the right way. But God always loves me always i i i hope i I've, I've had people ask me this before what if what if you ever had a kid that followed the crazy teachings of the culture and went way left in in all of their thoughts their behavior their lifestyle i told them i said two things i'd want my kids to know i don't agree with them but I always want them to know that I love them. I, I would hope that my kids could never do anything that would cause me to not love them. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I, I think there are some families that don't have that. But if you're truly following and you love people like God loves them, that'll never change. You always love them. You just won't agree with them. And so I think we need to understand that that is the way God is. 
He always loves us. Does he want us to do wrong? Absolutely not. Does he chasten us when we do wrong? Yes, he does. But oh, let us, let us understand that he loved us when he went to that cross. But not only that, but he washed us. And so our sins are forgiven and we have been washed. And oh, what a joy it is to know that how he loves us and has saved us and 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 made us pure and white and not in ourselves but in his righteousness and and how good that is to know and and see and understand the love that that uh, he shows to each one of us in in uh, first timothy he tells us in chapter 1 verse 15 this is the faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am chief Remember what he said on over past uh, the, the Timothy uh, letters, we have Titus, and, and there he tells us in Titus 3 in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so knowing that our sins are forgiven and knowing that he loves us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood, or even by his own blood. That's how we're washed. And so we see the, the wonderful joy of our Savior. And not only, and here's the thing. You're like, okay, God, thank you. That's good. He's like, no, 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 wait. Wait, I'm not done. I'm not done here. I, I, I want you to see some more things about what, what, what I want to give you and what you are. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And so now we made us something that we weren't before. And so whenever we trust Christ as our Savior, then now he has made us kings and priests. As an earthly king, who had sovereignty over a king? Nobody. Nobody. Do you understand the only sovereign that we truly have in our life is our Savior? Our Savior. Now, he is instituted and he has ordained government today. And he has placed people in authority over our lives. But it's... We're not listening and obeying them because ultimate get the I hope you understand this, not because of who they are, but because of who we are and the position we're in as Christ being our sovereign. And so we obey them because we're obeying God. And as long as they are allowing us to obey our sovereign, we're okay. It's when they start telling you that. We are your sovereign, and God is not. I beg to differ. You can't tell the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, to sit down. And He is our Savior, and He is our Lord, and He is our sovereign. He's made us kings, but He's also made us priests. What did the priests do? The priests went in, and 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 they. They would, they would offer the sacrifices for their sins. Then they would go in and they'd offer sacrifices for, 
the, the sins of the nation. They'd go in and offer sacrifices for uh, each individual person, and, and they were able to do that. Well, we know that when Christ died on the cross, he made us all priests, where now, guess what, because of the blood of Christ, now we can go boldly to the throne of grace for time of help and need, and, and we know that he's there, and, and we can go boldly there because of what Jesus Christ has done. He's made us a king, and he's also made us a priest. And so we have direct access with God the Father. And so as a priest then, that not only do we offer up those sacrifices for our sins, but we also ought to be offering up those spiritual sacrifices of thanksgiving, being thankful for who he is. And, and so knowing that what God has done to us and, and given us, then to him be glory. Let him be honored. Let him be glorified. Let him be in the place of majesty that he truly deserves and, and allow him to have that. Let him sit on the throne of your heart. Allow him to be the king of glory and dominion, power and sovereignty forever and ever. Amen. That's our Savior. That's what he's done for each one of us. And oh, how thankful we can be uh, for that. And so then, verses 7 and 8, and we'll be done. Behold, pay attention, wake up. I don't know if anybody was asleep, but we just woke them up. <laughs> Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. You know, I think about the rapture, and we talked about this before, and how, how will the world explain it away you know, the, the world may, they'll probably think up some kind of lie or whatever when the rapture actually takes place, but they're going to know. They're going to know exactly what took place because it says here that every eye shall see him. Everybody. And, and so here in the clouds, they will see him, and they also which uh, uh, pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And that word wail, it, it, it's not the word to cry out in, in grief or sadness, but it's the word to cry out in fear. You see, they are going to be, when the rapture takes place and Jesus Christ comes in the clouds and, and raptures the believers and raptures the church, then all eyes will see him. And, and guess what? We're out of here. Praise the Lord for that. And the world is going to be crying out in fear because they're going to start seeing the Lion of Judah and the very wrath of God upon them. And so they shall wail because of him. And what does John say? Even so, amen. You know, you had your time. You had your chance. So many have shaken their fists at God. Well, the day will come when that time will end. I am God, the eternal God, Alpha and Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, and shows his eternality again, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty, the All-Powerful. Let us be happy in that. I mean, it, yeah, it'll be terrifying as you read what takes place and, and, and the terror that's going to take place in this, but, 
Blessed is the man that readeth this. Blessed is the man that, that, that is hearing what he's saying and, and obeying that and doing the things that, that he ought to be doing and, and knowing that, praise the Lord, finally someday is coming when righteous judgment will be given and those who are guilty will, will pay the price and those who are innocent and those who are standing in the righteousness of God will, will finally see the, the retribution that ought to be given. He is. He's the one that we serve. That's our Savior. That's our Lord. That's the one that we ought to look to today. So let's be encouraged by what we see, what we read, and let us continue to be driven and compelled to tell others about Jesus. Because a day will come when it's too late. But it's not too late yet. And so let's be busy. Let's be busy doing the Father's work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercies. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, let us, as we go into all of this, that let us always be looking for Jesus through all of it. Let us find that even in all of this, even during the tribulation, you give people the opportunity to repent, to come, and to trust you. And Lord, you save many even in their last moments. How gracious you are. And so, Father, I pray for each one who's here tonight. I pray that each one knows you as their Savior. If not, I pray you prick their heart tonight and that they settle that tonight. And Lord, for those that do know you as their Savior, that... Lord, I pray that your grace and peace is upon them. Let us walk this week and be obedient to your word and to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus, to encourage believers and just walk in a way that truly is honorable and biblical and that, Father, through the Holy Spirit, we'll walk in, in the power of his presence in our lives. And, Lord, I thank you. Love you. I thank you for each one who's here tonight. Pray you do a work in our hearts. Guide us and use us this week. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.